Have you been there and done it when it comes to nutrition, exercise, and motivation? My name is Zach Guild, and I'm part of the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness team. We're not your standard health podcast, and we don't claim to be experts, but we do know change isn't easy. Our aim is to bring you the best in the business in all aspects of mind, body, and soul. We hope to create a spark, and with expert knowledge, give you the information and motivation to make a change. Please enjoy. Welcome, guys, to the Basics Lifestyle and Wellness. I am joined by Andy. Hi. And Zach. Hi, everyone. And this episode, we're going to be covering the study behind intermittent fasting. And this is a really interesting subject. I know, um, you know, we talk about a lot of hot things that are kind of popping up recently. And I love studies and I love scientists. And we have an absolute powerhouse that's going to be covering this topic. He's personally been studying intermittent fasting for 20 years on specific areas and I remember him flicking us over some research that he'd done that is absolutely phenomenal out of this world you know from down to what happens with our cells to um, you know all the different areas of our body so I was just completely blown away and something that I have really been looking into personally for the past four years. So, yeah, it's just been phenomenal to see. Yeah, it's definitely um, a hot topic, as you say. And the guest I remember on the interview was just, yeah, I was taking notes pretty much because of the information that he was giving us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I personally, I never did anything like this. Um, And then I started introducing it specifically to see if it would help with my sleep. and my energy and sleep have just improved drastically. And then I've sort of tailored it to help with my training as well. But for me, it was kind of a bit of that missing link. And and you just look at a lot of that research out there and you look back in the, the old days and in Greek times and all these kind of old philosophers and everything, they used to do it as well and talk about the benefits of it. And it's just kind of, it almost fell away and now it's coming back in fashion. Does that mean we're going to start calling you Zach Socrates now? (laughs) Yes, please. If you could now refer to me as that going forward. Yeah, there is just so much about this that I love. And, you know, going back to the, the topic of like the whole basis around our podcast basics, you know, I so agree with Zach and I think it is going back to basics and back to how our body used to respond and respecting that, honoring that. Um, you know, I know personally for me, like incorporating like intermittent fasting with um, the good form of nutrition that's based around that has drastically improved my life. Um, and I know that my life has not looked the same as it did four years ago to now. So how I feel, how I wake up, my energy, my consistent energy has just been the biggest thing for me. My, my relationship with food is so much better um, and I'm absolutely loving how, how I feel most days. And I know um, other people that obviously are in similar boats and um, they feel the same way. So it's just a really great thing to look into, do your research for, check with your doctor. Yeah, and like you said there as well, um, it's all about having um, you know a good diet as well. It's all about the nutrition. It's about the exercise. It's about that holistic health thing, like one thing. And every, I guess everything that we cover pretty much as well on all of the topics it's not just necessarily that one thing. It's it's having that holistic approach. Um, so it's really important to have that as well. I think just trying to find that balance between all the different elements, whether it be food, exercise, rest, vitamins, 
you know, certainly intermittent fasting does does give you a balanced tool. Uh, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but it, it it's helped me along the journey at times. I remember, uh, I remember when I started actually, and I was kind of bricking it at the time because I eat six or seven meals a day. I'm always <laughs> eating because of the training. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop loads of weight. I'm going to be really struggling. I'm going to be starving all day. Um, and I also, you know, I, I take a bit of flack as well, especially from like guys I used to play rugby with or even in the bodybuilding as well, because it's, I guess, a bit different, a bit of a different approach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I found it actually sailed through it and found it really easy and I found it more energized on those days. And I kind of wish I'd started doing it a bit sooner, but um, just getting out of that mindset as well of, oh yeah, it's, you know, you're going to lose all that muscle, you're going to da da da, and just actually trying it as well. Do you know what? There's some people in bodybuilding that actually think it's BS. Um, and there's some people in bodybuilding that's like, oh my gosh, it's a hot topic right now. Like, yep, this is what's happening. A lot of people are actually incorporating it into their training. But the people that think it's BS or the people that are kind of going into it, they actually aren't educating themselves enough on exactly what it's doing. And it's not just a benefit for their training. It's not just a benefit for, you know, certain other things, but it's actually exactly like we spoke about looking at it as a holistic approach and really doing your research and seeing if this is going to work for you um, rather than, you know, either categorizing it as BS or actually thinking, oh, this is amazing. This is the best thing ever because, you know, you've really got to know what you're doing when it comes to this and you have to seek professional advice. I don't know about you, Andy, but I actually find it's pretty good for traveling as well. And when you're flying a lot, it just makes it a lot more convenient because you're not then eating like no offense to any airlines out there, but their food's not always uh, not always great. What are you talking but... about? Airline food is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually quite good for that and for convenience as well. And Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I have tried to do. Obviously, I travel so much for work. If I, if I do want to have a, a, a fasting day, I try and do it when I'm traveling because you, you, you're doing other things and you're not, you don't have to be miss sitting there eating that, that plain food or that airport lounge food. So it's, it's not a bad thing in that respect. Well, I'm going to grab the amazing professional scientist, the legend, who just completely blew us away. I mean, the, the initial 15 minutes are pretty full on or the initial 10 minutes are pretty full on. But, you know, stick around and listen to the real nitty gritty of what this hot topic is about because it will not disappoint you. If anything, ask more questions, seek advice, but just let this professional do his job and, and really explain to you just all the studies behind his research. So I will grab Dr. Mark Matson all the way from the US for our interview. I am so excited for the guest speaker that we have on this week. His name is Dr. Mark Matson, and he's the Professor of Neurosciences at the National Institute of Aging in Baltimore. I um, first came across Dr. Mark Matson when I saw his TED Talk done on fasting and how it bolsters brain power, and I was completely blown away on his research, um, and I'm so excited to welcome you. So first of all, a huge welcome, and just tell us a bit about yourself and how you came across this research. Okay, so it's nice to talk to you, Emma and Zach. Well, back in the 1990s, uh, I'm at National Institute on Aging, and we have a strong interest in what can go wrong in the brain during aging, particularly Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and stroke. And for a long time, we've known that in laboratory animals, we can extend their lifespan and slow down the aging process by reducing their calorie intake. Uh, and because 
Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, stroke are age-related diseases, we start to ask a simple question. Can we have an impact on the brain cells in animal models of these diseases by reducing their energy intake? And we got onto a, a diet called alternate day fasting, where one day the animals have no food for 24 hours, then the next day you give them food, next day take it away and so on. Uh, if that's begun when the animals are young, they can live up to 30% longer, and they're, they're healthier in many ways. And we found that this alternate day fasting diet would uh, protect nerve cells in the brain against uh, the accumulation of amyloid in our models of Alzheimer's disease, against uh, degeneration of dopaminergic neurons in the Parkinson's model. And then in the stroke models, we found that in animals that had been on this intermittent fasting diet, there was less brain damage and improved functional outcome, uh, which we measured by motor function. So that then set us on a road to trying to understand at the cell and molecular levels what's occurring in the brain when we subject animals to intermittent fasting. Wow, okay. And before we go into a little bit more about that research, could you tell us what, what you were into before this research or, or, you know, if there was something before that kind of really sparked interest in this area? Uh, well, my background before that was in developmental neurobiology. Um, I, when I did postdoctoral research, I was studying how neurotransmitters regulate the outgrowth of axons and dendrites and synapse formation. And it turns out that the major neurotransmitter in the brain is called glutamate. So glutamate's the uh, chemical that's released at synapses and from one neuron and then excites the subsequent neuron in the neural network. And glutamate's very important in learning and memory. Uh, that's critical for learning and memory. However, uh, it turns out that if glutamate receptors are activated at too high levels, particularly if nerve cells are not getting enough energy, for example, as occurs in a stroke or we think occurs during aging, then glutamate can actually damage neurons. Mm -hmm. So I went from studying brain development to studying degeneration of nerve cells, and that's what led me into the, the interest of aging and, and how one might make an impact on brain aging through diet and, and lifestyle. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm just <laughs> completely blown away. I mean, I, I, I read your article and... Um, you know, it just completely blew me away. And it's just so in depth. I mean, you know, obviously what you're doing before, but more so um, how you go in to talk about fasting and exercise. And it's just so in depth. It's just so many levels. And I was, yeah, I was just on the plane and I was completely jacked up on all this information that I was just really excited when I got off the plane. So I was hyped up the rest of the day. Um, so how long, in particular, going back to the research um, with the article that you put out that I read, how long have you been researching with um, fasting and exercise? Uh, for about 20, a little over 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I have, a, I have a big laboratory with quite a few scientists working in it. Uh, so we've been able to accomplish quite a bit during that time. Um, in addition to... Looking at the brain, one of the other areas we've looked at is the uh, cardiovascular system. Yep. And uh, I know you two have a, a strong interest in exercise and, and athletics. And um, 
So we did some studies with rats where we implanted transmitters in the animals such that we could continuously monitor their heart rate and blood pressure uh, 24-7. The transmitters send the signal to a receiver under the home cage of the animals. And what we found was with alternate day fasting, over a period of a few weeks, uh, and then by a month it kind of stabilizes, there's a reduction in resting heart rate, reduction in blood pressure, and an increase in heart rate variability. Um, and this is uh, a similar effects as endurance training. Uh, the increased heart rate variability, what that means is, turns out, say if your heart rate is 60 beats per minute, that doesn't mean that there's exactly one beat every second. There may be 0.8 seconds between two beats or 1.2. It's just the average is one second. Uh, and so having increased variability uh, between individual heartbeats, it's actually a good thing. It's uh, Endurance athletes have that. And if you have a decrease in heart rate variability, for example, patients with heart failure have that. So, um, and what, so what's happening with both exercise and we've shown with intermittent fasting is that there's increased activity in what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system slows down your heart rate. The sympathetic nervous system increases your heart rate. So we're finding that similar exercise, intermittent fasting is uh, increasing the parasympathetic tone, which is a, a good thing. We also found out that also in, in, in many ways similar to exercise that if we have had animals on intermittent fasting diet and then and put them back on the normal ad libitum diet so they can eat every day whenever they want, uh, within two weeks or so, their heart rate and blood pressure start going back up. So uh, similar exercise and detraining intermittent fasting does not have, at least in the case of the heart rate, and blood pressure doesn't have long-lasting effects. If you if you stop it within a certain amount of time, uh, the, the beneficial health effects are going to kind of disappear. So it's a practice that that you needed to continuously put in with the mice experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So just on those last few points, intermittent fasting can lead to improved performance, but it can also reduce stress on the body. Is that correct? That that's right. That's exactly right. And reduce your blood pressure uh, and uh, yeah exactly so it has kind of an anti-stress effect similar to exercise so you obviously said that this is something because i remember reading it and just thinking this is like a lifetime of research like i, I was yeah i can't stress how blown away i was over it and you know, doing that over a period of 20 years, like you said, roughly it was 20 years. Obviously, you got the idea from, I guess, I know in your TED Talk you spoke about um, how fasting was sort of like an ancient practice. Yeah, you know, it seems like there's many things uh, in having to do with health that uh, historically, you know, pop populations throughout the world have just probably by accident, trial and error, stumbled across. You know, if you anything from Chinese herbal medicine or you know Asian herbal medicine, uh, but but also fasting uh, has turned out to be very common in religions and uh, and in populations throughout the world. Uh, and also, as I point out in my TED talk, there's a lot of anecdotal 
evidence that uh, people, when they're fasting, their mind uh, is more clear and they can think better. Uh, you know, people like Plato and and Gandhi and and so on. And also, uh, of course, you're in Australia, but in the United States, there's a famous author, Upton Sinclair, who about 1900 he wrote a book called The Jungle, which was very popular here. It exposed problems with the meatpacking industry, with you know, how the workers were abused and so on. But he also wrote a book called The Fasting Cure. And um, your listeners can get a, they can get the full text PDF online. They can just Google Upton Sinclair Fasting Cure. And it's very interesting. He interviewed like over 200 people. Uh, all of them essentially had some ailment and then went on uh, some type of fasting diet for you know, varying time periods and lengths. and and most all of them uh, claim that they, they had improvements in their symptoms and, uh, with the fasting. So I know that you you outlined three factors for optimal performance, and I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast will think, oh, well, do I have to be an athlete for this to affect me? And I know you touched on some really, really basic, because <laughs> I know we're obviously touching on really, really basic aspects of um, how it improves brain function and synapses and things like that. But if you could just outline, you know, those three factors, I know you've covered some of it, but also the effects of that on health in layman's kind of terms. Yeah. Uh, so here I can talk about both uh, animal and human studies that have been done and the results. And uh, in both cases, um, the major general improvements are improved glucose regulation, uh, so an anti-diabetic effect involving increased insulin sensitivity, selective reduction in fat, particularly abdominal fat. Uh, and this is one uh, major aspect of fasting uh, that does not occur with calorie restriction in, in the background of eating regular meals. So if you eat three meals a day plus snacks, every time you eat, the energy goes into your liver and it's stored there in the form of glycogen, and that's always tapped into first. Uh, and it takes, it depends how active you are, but it takes anywhere from 10, 12 or more hours to deplete the glycogen stores in the liver. So if you're eating regular meals, you really never deplete the glycogen in your liver. Uh, then what does happen when you deplete the glycogen in your liver, say if you fast for 16 hours and then exercise will even enhance the effect, or accelerate the, the loss of glycogen from the liver. Then what happens is uh, fats are, your fat cells are tapped into and fatty acids are released into the blood and they're converted to what are called ketones. And ketones are a really good energy source for your muscles, for your nerve cells, other cells that can substitute in part from glucose. So for example, if someone's doing a long-term fast or an animal in the wild hasn't been able to find food for, say, several days or a week, even a week, uh, they're essentially running on ketones. Uh, ketone levels are very high. Their uh, fat are continuously be broken down and converted to ketones. And, uh, you know, so essentially in the case of humans, the length of time that someone could fast without starving in general depends on how much fat stores they have. And then 
let's see what else also uh reduction in inflammation um one thing we've found in animals and human subjects uh, is that when we measure markers of inflammation in blood samples from the patients, they're reduced with intermittent fasting. So here I'm talking about what are called pro-inflammatory cytokines, such as tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6. Uh, those uh, inflammatory mediators are reduced with intermittent fasting and conversely they're elevated with uh, overeating and obesity and and also in locally or more globally and in, in many age related disorders uh, involve inf tissue inflammation yeah wow wow <laughs> um thank you so much yeah that's paints a picture for exactly what the research has really found so the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on, I guess, is we live in a beautiful, um, I mean, Australia is amazing. We have a really, we're starting to become more health conscious and, and alternative. And um, what people are finding is they, you know, they're hearing a lot more of the five and two diet, you know, and things like that. But I guess, why is it that intermittent fasting days aren't really that heard of in the community or really brought light of, I guess, more and more in society? I think two two main reasons one is it's it's only recently that the the clear scientific evidence has emerged uh and you know in the case of australia with your connection with the uk what really has begun to take off the uh you know spreading the information is that michael mosley bbc producer did a documentary on uh, intermittent fasting and aired that on the BBC on the BBC Horizons, and then he wrote a book called The Fast Diet, and then uh, several of my collaborators uh, that we collaborate on human studies wrote books, one called The Alternate Day Diet, one called The Two-Day Diet. So one reason, that, and so this just happened within the last few years. And the, the second reason is that, um, that there's no one making money from it, and so there's no no commercial commercial incentive for any company uh, i think you know to put up money for advertisements and and so on so the the only way the information is can be spread is by word of mouth and what what you two are doing now uh you know so that's that's the reality of it there's uh no money behind it uh you know even, even though it's something that's very conceptually and for most people actually in practice pretty simple and will very likely uh, improve their health but nobody's making money from it so you don't see ads on tv for intermittent fasting <laughs> so just um how's your all of your research funded then to to, to do more research on this topic is how is it funded oh amazing. yeah so i'm funded by the the government so by the u.s taxpayers essentially i'm the National Institutes of Health, right. and uh, a lot of the basic, and also some clinical research in the U.S. is funded by the government uh, through taxpayers' dollars. Interesting. Hmm. I did have one uh, one question as well. Obviously, the the concept of intermittent fasting is it something that would be hard to do? I mean, I've done it myself, and I don't necessarily find it that hard. But on the the days that people are fasting, is it 
a hard thing to do if you're going from eating three to five meals a day to, to doing fasting and that type of thing. Do you find does it take long to, um, to adapt to that? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, we, we found in our human studies, uh, particularly the studies we did with Michelle Harvey, Dr. Harvey in, in Manchester in the UK, uh, and that we've looked at over 200 women uh, in that particular study. And it's essentially what we found is it takes two weeks to a month to adapt and for your physiology to change and your, you know, the systems that regulate hunger and, mm. and, and satiety to adapt. Uh, and so we found that during the first couple of weeks the, on the 5-2 diet, the women were quite hungry on the two days that they were only eating 500 calories. Uh, but then certainly by a month, they'd, uh, they were not so hungry anymore on those days, and they're actually feeling better. These were overweight women, so they'd already lost some weight and were feeling better about themselves. And then after that, this was a six-month study, they had no problem sticking with it through the six months. Yeah. And they had those notable changes in their body that were obviously positive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, or even over long periods of time. Because um, I guess, you know, Zach and I doing our own kind of experiment. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we find that a lot of people might think that might be crazy and think, oh, my goodness, like, how could you do that? But it's, it's interesting to see the results from experiments done um, over periods of time that are longer than just a few weeks. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, you will be up, this interview will be up on our website um, and we will obviously have a link to where they can find your TED Talk and more information about you because I find you extremely fascinating and I'm so glad that there's someone out there that's like you. So, again, thank you so much for stopping by and, yeah, we can't wait to have more meetings with you in the future. Okay, I enjoyed it, our conversation a lot. Uh, have a good weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've just heard, please share with your friends and family. You can check out some of our previous topics at www.basicslw.com or you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, to name but a few. You can also check out what the team have been up to on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, would like to find out more, or just have a question for us to cover in future episodes, drop us a line on info at basiclw.com. Join us next time where we'll be covering another topic and hopefully answering one of those burning questions of yours. 